Welcome back to the last post for issue Saturday, March 9th. I'm your host, Andrew Carey. I'm back after Kean delightfully took over for me last week. Thank you, Kean. Uh, you're listening to the last uh, last post, Limerick Post podcast, bringing you this week's news and bite-sized portions. Remember, you can keep up to date on all Limerick news on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, at Limerick Post, and hashtag keeping Limerick posted on limerickpost.ie. This week's podcast is brought to you in association with Limerick Tile and Wood Centre, Eastway Business Park, their specialist in fine quality tiles, wood flooring and bathroom work. Kicking off this week, um, we're looking at the news and Bernie English joins me um, on the lead story on a HICWA report about Tusla's failing of children in foster care. Yes, Andrew, how are you doing? Um, Tusla were inspected by HICWA in a follow-on inspection. The original inspection was in 2017 and they found... They were hugely critical of Tusla and Limerick in the Midwest. So they had a follow-on inspection and discovered that things really hadn't improved all that much. In fact, they were um, they were quite slating of what improvements had been made. There's a litany of um, poorly managed practices. 118 families have not been reviewed. Uh, 40 of 140 families. Um, none have received a review in three years, so we don't know... For instance, have young men in those households come of a certain age, have new people moved in? Are the people still physically able to foster these people? Um, They've also, 44 allegations were made against foster parents. HICWA found that these were not being sufficiently managed. There was a litany, basically, of things that HICWA found wrong with Tusla in Limerick, which is... Quite scary when you think about the vulnerable children involved. So they've so they've evaluated standards of care and they've evaluated elements that should have been looked upon and reported and uh, yes. and improved. And it's quite clear that it seems as if they haven't been. Well, they've 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 looked at various areas against um, a national standard and found that in at least three of those areas in twenty seventeen, that Tusla and Limerick were very uncompliant. And that situation hasn't particularly changed. In other areas, they were they were compliant, but they are very very critical of Tusla, who's and said, you know, Tusla have said that they've got staffing shortages, that they have difficulties in that respect, but Hikwa has said that's just not an excuse. Tusla have been in the spotlight in Limerick and in the Midwest, you know, in recent times with other events and stuff, and it, it just seems as if this arm of the state agencies is not getting its act together. And this has been brought out in this HICWA report. Yeah, well, HICWA definitely gives the impression that there's no cohesion in Tusla. They're talking about, um, you know, individual people in individual offices spread all over the place, one following one set of procedures, another following another set of procedures. There just doesn't seem to be any overall management and pulling together of the organisation so that everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet. So now this report has been drafted, it has been presented. What's actually the next phase? Well, there will be follow-on reports and follow-on checks. Uh, we don't know when that's going to happen, and they haven't said. But I'm sure at this stage, HICWA will probably be looking for answers and changes sooner rather than later. It's a, it's a shocking story, and just to think, you know, of these vulnerable children that are, are in care and they're at this weak point, you are expecting that, you know, the agency overarching is going to be looking after them. Well, I mean, when, when a child has been through such terrible experiences, there's absolutely nothing should do except perfection. In and, and highest standards in looking after them. And I don't think HICWA feels they have found that. No doubt we'll probably be back to that at a later stage. Um, Bernie, you also have a story on Irish water and ghost estates. Yes, um, Andrew, we've all heard about estates 
And we tend to forget about it, but it still happens, which have not been finished by developers who went, for one reason or another, when they went bust or they walked away in the boom when the boom went. And um, one of these estates out in the county, Capamore Kilmallock area, has needed taking in charge for 14 years. Oh. So, but we had a report at a meeting of councillors out there last week, and one of the officials in the, in the, in the council told them that a lot of the delays are due to Irish water just not going out and signing off on water systems. And he was visibly frustrated and described the efforts that they have made to get Irish water to go out and just say, this pumping station is okay, so that the council can then move in and fix footpaths and turn on lights and do all that good stuff. But he said they're very reticent to, to respond to the council. The irony, of course, is that the people who will go out and do this, these checks and sign off on these things are the council's own staff, by virtue of the fact that Irish Water took on the council staff. So they're sitting in the building across from the person who's so frustrated with Irish Water. <laughs> he can't ask him to go out and do it. Have Irish Water said anything about this issue? No, this came from a council meeting and, uh, you know, this is what was said at the council meeting. So I'm sure if they have a response, they'll present it. We'll keep an eager, eager eye on that. Um, Bernie, lastly, you have a very unique story about a striking student, Saoirse. Yes, 13-year-old Saoirse Exton has joined a f- um, Fridays for Futures movement. This is a, a, a movement that was started by Greta Sundberg, a Swedish teenager. And what she is encouraging students to do is walk out of school on Friday, go to your local public building with a big placard and say, demand action on climate change. So Saoirse, all 13 years old of her, has taken this on herself. A small act of truancy, possibly. <laughs> well, <laughs> the school haven't treated it like that. We don't quite know what Colosh the Limney are going to do about it. But her parents, despite some sort of trepidation at the matter, are, are supporting her. And she has been sitting outside the council building last Friday. She'll be doing it this Friday. This is the one on O'Connell Street, the 2030 office. She'll be doing it this Friday. And on the Friday of the bank holiday weekend, she's hoping in the afternoon that lots of school children and adults will join her in Arthur's Key Park, where they will all have a rally and walk to City Hall with demanding action on climate change from our politicians. It's encouraging to see someone of such a young age in an adult world uh, showing some serious focus about, you know, a major global issue. Well, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's only 13 years old and she's very well informed. Um, she reads, she gets her information, she tells me, from BBC News, The Guardian, various Greenpeace sites, and she keeps herself updated daily with all of the progress that is, that is, that is happening in climate change. And she's extremely articulate, extremely confident, and, you know, fair play to her, I think. Um, Bernie's full story on Saoirse and her efforts uh, are, will be online and in this week's issue of the Limerick Post. Thank you very much, Bernie. Thank you, Andrew. I'm now joined by news editor Jerry Collison. Jerry, you picked up on a couple of stories from this week's paper as well. I did indeed. Um, I picked up on a couple by um, a young journalist that's trying to make his way in the world, a gentleman <laughs> by the name of Andrew Carey. What me? And he has uh, he's submitted two fairly um, fairly alarming reports. Um, one of them has to do with um, a, a, a vile video that was uh, posted online in recent days. And to call it racist is, uh, to put it very mildly, uh, it's absolutely shameful. And it's, it's, uh, it's been investigated by the Gardaí. Yeah, I, I, this popped up for me on Tuesday night. And when I was looking 
online and, and I saw this video and, it, and as you say, yeah, it is quite alarming. Um, it's, it's, it's two Limerick guys walking through Parnell Street, commenting and using quite outlandish ethnic slurs and derogatory terms about people in the area, foreign nationals, um, commenting on religious issues and claiming that Parnell Street is one of the worst suicidal streets in Ireland. Some of the, the language used is it's beyond course. Um, and yeah, it has been viewed extensively thousands of times. There's hundreds of comments on uh, underneath the video, 90% um, of it condemning um, any of the actions by, by these two chaps um, who are doing nothing but as you say, being shameful for Limerick. Absolutely, yeah. And, and um, like, thankfully, it seems like, you know, the guards are going to, to move fairly swiftly on this. Um, the local superintendent, Eric Smart, has said that this is, this is something that they are actually going to look very, very seriously at. And let's hope that, um, that these people are, in are, are uh, discovered and that they're uncovered for the, for the type of racist that they are. Um, the other the other story we have also uh, is a, a, a bit alarming, not a little bit, actually quite alarming. Um, it stems from um, a call that was made by a West Limerick farmer uh, who came along and had said that uh, there were um, people trespassing on lands. This was fairly widespread. It wasn't just confined to his farm. And um, it's a situation that had been going on for years. And essentially what it's about is uh, people with, with, with dogs, lurchers, arriving onto land um, on, the, on the pretense or in actuality um, hunting hares. And uh, it's suspected and strongly suspected that this is just a cover for, for, um, for gangs just casing out property uh, with a view towards, towards robbery and that sort of thing. However, um, it, it's, it's backed up by local councillor um, Emmett O'Brien, uh, who, who, who is also aware of this and is also aware of you know, the, the repercussions. But um, one, of, one of the issues is that, that um, these people have been, have been advised um, not to actually confront these trespassers, but to report it to the Gardaí, and that would seem to be a very wise course of action. Yeah, when I spoke to um, Councillor O'Brien, uh, you know, he said he was aware of these roving gangs and uh, he, he, it, it, it is sometimes used as a cover and you can see this, but more alarmingly, it was the fact that uh, there have been previous stories where, you know, people have approached these people, been quite intimidated as a result and, you know, things escalate into something else. So, yeah, the advice is if there's any anyone trespassing or if there's any evidence of it, um, to, to contact your, your local guardian and, 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 and certainly not confront them. Yeah, there, there are actually two stories now that, that uh, should attract a lot of interest. Um, another one that has a very, very sad tone to it is um, it's a feature piece um, that has been written by Keen Reinhardt, who's probably um, more adept behind the camera than he is behind the keyboard. But this week he, he, he has an account of going along to um, a ceremony in um, the uh, Mount St. Lawrence Cemetery on Sunday last, where um, there was a, a, a ceremony for the uh, Magdalene women. And basically, it's just there to say that they're not forgotten. Um, there were 253 women um, buried in a, in a mass grave 
in, in the cemetery. These women would have come from the Good, Sh Good Shepherd convent. And um, this week we, we print the names of all 253, along with uh, Keane's report and what went on. And there's one or two quotes that really stick out. Um, one of them in particular from one of the event organisers, Camilla O'Donoghue, who says that um, we're sorry we didn't listen, that nobody heard and may your souls rest in peace and I suppose that's probably the most appropriate comment that we can make on that. Um, further up on the paper we have um, a piece by Alan Jakes and um, that's one actually that, that has its genesis in the um, floods that hit Limerick all of five years ago now. Um, you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it actually was five years ago. And unbelievably, uh, it, it appears that um, none of the um, work that was promised, the flood prevention work that was promised, has actually been delivered, apart from some temporary measures that were put in in the immediate aftermath of the flooding. I, I, I remember covering that story, you know, uh, back, in, back in 2014 when... Uh, homes and um, homes and people's livelihoods in in St Mary's Park and um, in Kings Island and the entire area were literally washed away. They were in f under f serious uh, uh, pressure of uh, of water coming in. Um, it was a you know a fifty a hundred year type of event, and it was always going to be said that this would never happen again. But now we have a report that five years on, we don't really have. An awful lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it appears like we say with the way that the weather is going lately and this um, global warming phenomena that there's a situation that people feel that this thing is not going to be a 50 or 100 year event and they seem to be borne out by the climatologists. So it would say that, you know, at, after five years, there's, there should be some serious action. Now, the uh, OPW did actually come back to Alan and they had given an outline of the amount of work that has been done and it seems from their account that there is uh, a 25 million euro project ready to go and, and this would um, result in, in safeguarding 450 residential and 23 commercial properties and at a cost of 25 million you would imagine that this is going to take a while so I guess the sooner the better that gets underway you know the, 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 the better for everybody yeah, having projects ready is one thing but actually implementing them you know that's the only way you're going to absolutely put, it, put together a proper yeah. flood event thanks very much Jerry. those stories and more in this week's paper and online at limerickpost.ie thank you uh, this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Limerick Tile and Wood Centre in Eastway Business Park they're specialists in fine quality tiles wood flooring and bathroomware. Um, I'm joined by the sports guy, John Keogh. You're very welcome back. How's things, Andrew? Splendid. You're very welcome back as well. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I was missed. Not. Um, John, first off, um, Clare and Limerick, that big battle from last weekend, that was close. It was very tight, obviously, finishing in a draw. More a battle than a siege of Venice. Um, and look, first off, it was played in horrific conditions. I mean, there's no... There was end of February start of March and it was snow and hail and just basic horror with three other guys being called off in the hurling over the weekend look Limerick will have got something big from it um, there'd be a little bit of disappointment maybe that they didn't win the game they dominated for large parts probably a bit disappointed with the two goals conceded 
needed two iron gland frees to come away with the draw in the end. Definitely unhappy with some refereeing decisions. We'll talk about that maybe in a bit. But overall, what more can you do? Even with a game to spare, with other teams finishing off their games, Limerick have topped the division. Yeah, you kind of think you kind of wonder did they turn their back in the game for a couple of minutes, and is that why the goals went in? Or you know, it, it just this didn't look like that Limerick side who emphatically beat Kilkenny, who you know had a good battle against Tipperary, you know, who who's played well in the earlier parts of the, uh, of this campaign. Look, they were up against a very good Clare team and I can't underestimate or understate the rivalry between these two. These lads have gone to college together, played schools against each other, colleges against each other, different between Limerick colleges, in some cases lived together. So they know each other inside out. Both teams know each other so, so well. So there was, it was never going to be Limerick or Clare walking away with either game, I don't think, in this occasion. And then it's... It, it was that and it was battle on the sideline as well you know tempers flared a little bit there too look this has become like it was in the 90s this is the biggest rivalry in Harlan I think at the moment mm. Limerick and Clare are very unhappy that they didn't win the All-Ireland last year that doubles up as Limerick having won it just annoys them even more they feel it's a an All-Ireland they should have won that just adds to it adds to it adds to it and then sets itself up for when they meet in the Munster Championship in May as you said um, Limerick have done it with a bit to spare to have a trip to Port Leash. Yeah, it's a game, look, no disrespect to Leash, finished fourth in Division 1B. Limerick should be winning this one comfortably and pulling up on Saturday evening in Elmore Park. Um, as Ciarán Carey writes, like, it, may, it may give John Kyle even a bigger chance. Like They've used 27, 28 players in the league as it is, I think. You know, look, plan for the semi-finals two weeks' time, I think. Is Will we be seeing some younger players or some fresh players, fresh I, I think there's a couple that you could that could get more wrong. Barry Nash is a player who's only got a few minutes against Cork a couple of others like that Mikey O'Brien made his debut in that game there's lads that he may want to have another look at, a look at in in competitive action but it's still a game that has to be won Declan Hallen will lead his men out again and that's one we'll keep an eye on yeah live on TG Cahar if you can't make it on Moore Park on Saturday moving to the footballers footballers yeah fairly fairly tough defeat to Derry last weekend the Gaelic Rounds another game last Saturday that was played in just woeful conditions like they were two points up at half time Colin McSweeney's goal Derry upped it in the second half and they were, were only managed one point in that in the last half hour or so and yeah it, it's it's another defeat the, the one the weekend before against Leitrim was more positive Billy Lee was fairly frustrated after this game look they're, they're off this weekend they've Wexford away next and finishing off at Antrim at home they're one of four or five teams that are level on four points that, that division is decided with Derry and Leitrim Limerick last of the last two games have already been promoted but Limerick are next as I said uh, look, it's a battle for third third place would be a big big progress for Limerick this year being honest so where it's been bad in the last two or three weeks you have to look at it already Limerick have stepped up a bit from last season they just need another little spark just to get them over the line so I mean their next adventure onto Wexford is going to be yeah yeah look, look Wexford are beat going away from home at any level is tough Wexford are beatable for Limerick at this stage and if they can finish with two wins on the trot it will set them up nicely going in against Tipperary in the Munster Championship News from Camogie Camogie has just been confirmed today Tuesday that um, Limerick's National League semi-final with Galway will take place in Burr this coming Sunday so it's taken till Wednesday to get a venue for that so they'll play whoever wins that plays Cork or Kilkenny in the league final We're going to move over to rugby yeah. And all the messing that you were going on with last week. 
Um, yeah, another defeat for Gary Owen, Andrew. <laughs> and in fairness to your monster, <laughs> yeah. in as well. so brought for the only Limerick team to come out with any credit from last weekend's games. Look, it wasn't a good weekend for the one A teams. No point saying anything else. Uh, Gary Owen Raw was going to have a tough game at home to Con. Con are fairly. Look, they're they're they're, they're they're the team to beat full stop at the moment they're going very well um, Gary Owen won't be happy they only scored 7 points it's, it's kind of it seemed it seemed like a frustrating game yeah by even all accounts, for them to get yeah. out of the blocks at any particular point yeah phase it, play was sore again, it was just it was, it was on Saturday afternoon yeah. it was horrific out in Doherdale as well I know that I was in the Gaelic grounds and it wasn't good for Gary Owen but they'll just chalk that one off and look ahead to this weekend and now they're actually looking to uh, across the across yeah. the road for a favour in a funny anomaly yeah always throws up in these situations Gary Owen now in fifth at Dublin University Trinity have, have overtaken him in the race for the playoffs and they visit Tom Clifford Park this Saturday but your monsters certainly won't be thinking about Gary Owen going that they need that win <laughs> they need it more so they, than they need it probably more so than Gary Owen because again very unlucky to come out 25-24 in defeat against Lansdowne away last week. Another for the second week run that's two bonus points, losing bonus points and try bonus points. Shows their ability to score tries. They've they've obviously garnered some confidence from beating Gary Owen a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I know you don't like to hear that, <laughs> yeah, but that, that's like the you. truth. Yeah. Like they they've been very close in their last two games. Like so look they'll they'll go into that. They have to win that game. They, it's it's a home game. Dublin University are going well but there's no point saying otherwise you're running out of games. You want four or five games left. It's a must win. As you can as as you said, they're they're scoring points, they're scoring tries defensively if they can shore that up a little bit. Yeah, that's been a bit of a problem all season. That don't, there hasn't been a huge problem scoring points. But look, you're going away to Lansdowne or second in in the whole division, like so I mean they're scoring twenty four points there. You've got to take the positives from that Lansdowne are scoring points against everyone. The proof it will be in the pudding on Saturday for them. As it will for Shannon who've dropped down. They're four losses on the bounce now. They're away again this weekend. They need a win just to kind of level off again after what was a promising start to the season. Um, staying with rugby, Ireland and France. You know, you've um, Tom Savage writes about about uh, a coverage this week, and he's he's on about Joe Smith rejecting calls that they're holding back. Um, yeah, it's it's just there's been some apologies, apologetic stuff, and oh yeah, Ireland are only doing this, that, and the other. Tom Savage mentions, as you point out, Andrew, this week that. It was a similar story in the last World Cup that yeah, he's holding things back, holding things back. I don't think Josh Smith is one for holding things back. Tom points to the fact that there's been a lot of personnel changes, things not coming off in games. Look, they'll be targeting this game against France. Ireland need to put in performance. Forget about the championship for a moment. They need to show that the game against England, the game against Scotland, the game against Italy, there were blips. Okay, you've won two out of them three games. Ireland need a performance this Sunday. That France team that turned up against England was, I don't know what it was. Yeah, like that's not representative of French rugby. I'd argue differently that it is, and the one that turned up the last day against Scotland isn't. Look, Jack Brunel has gone. He he's gone with the same team that beat Scotland comprehensively in in, in Paris. That's fine. You've a nineteen year old and a twenty two year old at halfback. I mean, if 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 Ireland wants, yeah, to. to to target France, there's your opportunity. Talented players as they are, there's no team good on the back foot. Ireland have to start that game well and push and push and push and then you'll see a French team that we're used to seeing more so in recent years than the one we saw against Scotland. Schmidt has brought in a few new players. He's kind of, he's kind of mixed it up slightly. 
Yeah, the, the big talking point is obviously Sean Cronin's dropping of the squad, even though they're coming out with this line today that it's um, a depth thing that Rob Herring is coming in. Look, Sean Cronin was taken off with what, was it, half an hour left to play against Italy. The lineup didn't go well. I'm sorry, I'm not buying the fact that he's rested or anything else that's, that Rob Herring is he's dropped. I mean, he's dropped. Not that's I don't. I don't see any. I don't see anyone else who's been taken off and not been. He's the only one dropped from the squad. Yeah. Now we're so here. That's his own story. Like. You know, we're we're Wednesday, Thursday now. You know, a lot of speculation about the team. CJ Slander might be. Yeah, in, in the mix. They're saying Simon Easterby, the forwards coach, was saying today, and um, as well as that stuff about Cronin not being dropped, that it'll come too quickly for Joey Carberry. That it's just the hamstring injury is nowhere near as uh, serious as first feared. So that's good news for Munster in a couple of weeks' time. But for Ireland, yeah, CJ could be back. That the only one that they said that was injured that isn't likely to play is Carberry. So that means the rest of the, the squad is fully fit. So that could be good news for Tyburn and CJ Sander. And Byrne in particular deserves a shot given his form for Munster this season. Moving to the round ball, Limerick FC. Yeah, Limerick FC back to the Marcus Field on Friday. They welcome Drogheda United. Um, Limerick have two games played to date. Drew their first one at home when the season kicked off against Longford. Nil all draw, fairly bleak game to be true to. Then lost 2-0 to Bray last weekend. A game that could have went a different way, did a penalty. Conor Ellis had his penalty saved. Bray go down the other field a couple of minutes later and open the scoring win 2-0. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's gone as expected. You know, same problems that were there last season with Limerick is creating chances, scoring goals. You know, they fa- look fairly solid defensively against Lanford, to be fair. Problem is going forward, and that comes down to the inability to bring players in the off-season of that nature. Um, yeah, look, Drogheda, decent team. They've won one, lost one, or yeah, from their two games. Team Limerick can be fairly familiar with. You, you, you have to win your home games if any hopes of getting to the playoffs. Yeah, Tommy Barrett will be looking for the best of these players and indeed support. Yeah, it, 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 look, there was 814 at the first game, which was a big crowd, bigger than probably was expected. So that's a positive. Um, yeah, there's a few more local lads in, in the team this season, obviously, competitive and financial things. But, era positivity, a quarter day kickoff on a Friday evening, there isn't that much else going on. Why not come out and support the Super Blues? Thanks very much, John. Um, as always, our sporting coverage is brought to you in association with Sporting Limerick, um, of which John Kyo is an eminent journalist. Uh, we thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, again, this week's podcast is brought to you in association with Limerick Tile and Wood Centre, Eastway Business Park, specialists in fine quality tiles, wood flooring and bathroomware. I'm now joined by the biggest messer <laughs> in the office, in the podcast, uh, our entertainment editor, Eric Fitzgerald. Good afternoon, Andy. Thank you very much Welcome for joining us. Welcome back to your holidays. Yeah, sure, look, you know. Have to get on. <laughs> Splendid. I hear you had a bit of a, you know, the, the uh, lunatics took over the asylum last week. I went on for about two hours last week, so hopefully you <laughs> might keep this thing under wraps this time, because we want to go home at some stage, you know. Okay, again, um, <laughs> it's the weird, wild and wonderful Wednesdays, just because we've... Um, parked and put away this newspaper. Um, okay. Speaking of this newspaper, uh, Mr. Eric, you've got news of Rhiannon Giddens and Francesco Turisi. That's it, yeah. More names to make it even more difficult <laughs> the tongue for twisters, you. Know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're stuffed, absolutely stuffed this week with gigs. There's so much on and so much coming into the city at the moment. Rhiannon Giddens is uh, bluegrass... Uh, 
Irish, Irish American, Native American is her background and bluegrass is her music. She kind of joins the dots between bluegrass, blues, country and soul. Because she comes from a, she's born in North Carolina. So she's quite a mixed background herself. Dad was white, mom was black. And uh, this is her study for the last, like, what, 20 years of her career. So she's had uh, two solo albums out and uh, Grammy Award winning albums. And uh, she is just something quite amazing. As a musician, she's fantastic. She's an amazing voice. She's a fantastic banjo player and fiddle player. Um, and I suppose, to, to make a, a generalization, I suppose she's in the bluegrass side of things. Um, so she and Francesco Torisi are now working on a brand new album that they made last year. And they are coming to the Lime Tree this Saturday, March 9. And playing that show so this is a build-up to the album that's coming out so but uh, she's very very interesting and another interesting thing about her is she's been living in Ireland in Limerick for the last 12 years oh. so she's based in Castle Troy at the moment bringing up her kids and between that and touring all over the world she's absolutely huge in America and surprisingly this gig in the Lime Tree on Saturday is her first proper gig in Limerick even though she's been here for 12 years but a lot of the touring she does takes her away and um, she is a very, very big deal altogether. And she's playing on Saturday night. So it's, it's, it's the one, it's the show to go to, really, for the Musos. They'll absolutely love this one. Yeah, it, it, it looks and sounds good. Um, will Kean have a little slap for us? We will find something. There is so much stuff out there. Um, and like, you know, but if, even somebody who pops up on, a, let's say, using YouTube, you know, she's at the Grand Ole Opry there in 2017, singing a Patsy Cline cover called She's Got You. And I doubt that, that you would actually be frozen to the spot just listening to it. She's amazing, amazing voice. Um, so, and um, a, a lot of her study at the moment is to do with um, African-American influences in Irish music because she was just talking. And at length, it's, there's a good, there's a good uh, piece on it in the paper. We, we took our time with it and we got through it. And she was just talking about people who emigrated from Ireland or to New York, lived with African-Americans for quite a long time. And the music that kind of came out of that is probably what we call Americana today. And she's trying to reconnect even the black audience with that music again in the US and she's she's on a mission and she works uh, she works down in UL in the uh, Academy of Music and Dance and she's working there as well as well as touring and being super busy as a musician uh, you won't find one better like this weekend she's amazing to see and Francesco Torisi is her partner who comes along and brings a little bit more African rhythms to what she's at uh, full interview there on your end page um, this week. Um, Laura Duff has a new EP launch. Laura Duff, uh, yeah, a uh, great singer and uh, herself and her band, they're based out of Cork at the moment, but Laura's from Limerick, but she's studying UCC in Cork. So she has a new EP out for your company and uh, we have actually a sample of what she's been up to, uh, a song called Up To You and uh, we'll play that a little later on if, uh, when, when uh, Keen is ready to play it. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> This, uh, this EP was uh, produced by a fellow called Christian Best in Middleton and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quality stuff, it's real polished production, uh, she's a fantastic songwriter and I know we've spoken many times about the music generation in here and what they do for Limerick and she is another product from that at a, as a 16 year old she went along to music generation put a band together and was like literally standing on the stage in Dolan's Warehouse at age 15 playing one of her own gigs, you know, and, and yeah. being encouraged by their, her mentors. 
to uh, on, on her songwriting and um, yeah she's a real fine great voice brilliant songwriter and the production is amazing and they are playing in the record room this Saturday the 6th Paddy's Weekend, um, one end of the scale there's a cabaret. Yes, this is fantastic. This is, um, this is I suppose, a little bit new, really, to Limerick. You know, um, Laura Lavelle has been doing this cabaret show, um, I suppose, initially maybe for the LGBTQ community, but she's kind of developed it more. Um, it was in Shale of Fab, the, most, the much missed venue that we had down Narches Quay. Mm. Now she's moved it to 1314 Cecil Street. Which, you know, if you've been out the back of Jerry Flannery, yeah. you've been out there, you're probably there every weekend. Anyway. Oh, well used to it. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, that's the space there is made for what she's doing. It's a cabaret. She's bringing, she's a hot band. I see uh, Peter Hennigan is playing there on bass. So it's, it's some of the best jazz players around playing, I suppose, a bit of Dixie jazz and um, kind of swing music. She'll introduce all the acts on stage. So it's, it's lighthearted. It's fun. It's burlesque. So it's a bit cheeky and it's a bit of fun. And actually, I will mention for a chap called um, MC Nothing. And he is turning up on um, Ireland's Got Talent this Saturday. And he's from Limerick. Uh-huh. And he's on. And uh, yeah, his shtick is, um, is beatboxing. So he's going to be on Ireland's Got Talent this Saturday. And he's also going to appear with Miss Lavelle on uh, the 14th of March, I think, isn't it? Thursday the 14th of Ma- March in Cecil Street. And if we move to the complete opposite end of the music scale, you're going to talk to us about some metal. Metal. Look at This is where it's at now. Um, we have got some great news. I know the only metal album you have now is probably Poison Space Hits. I think that I saw you with that lately. And, um, <laughs> this might be a little bit, this might be a bit, a bit heavier. I think it was Guns, and, Guns and Roses was the last metal Guns, thing <laughs> Guns and Roses. Okay, well... You're going to be delighted. Um, let's say the chaps who run Siege uh, Limerick here, uh, Tall John Rail, um, like the Siege Limerick's been running for, I don't know, it's about six, seven years now. It's one of the, the biggest metal festivals around. And anytime we've been talking to John, we said, wouldn't King John's Castle be an amazing place to have a metal gig? So it's finally happened. So Amon Amarth and Behemoth. I don't know if you have any of those. No, I don't have any of their tracks, unfortunately. Okay, so Amon Amart um, will have been playing Castle Donington the weekend before. Then they come to Limerick and uh, they play on the uh, 14th of June. 17th of June. Monday the 17th of June. I got that one right. And uh, Amon Amart are from Sweden. Uh, Most of their music is about Vikings. Perfect venue. Absolutely. Now they're in King John's Castle. They are going to, uh, they're going to be playing. Their drummer is on a kind of a high rise uh, with a kind of um, Viking helmet look about it. So the whole staging is almost like a Viking mythology. Um, So they're going to be absolutely rocking the castle. And tickets go on sale this Friday. They will be snapped up like nobody's business. Metal at the castle. Can I give one more plug before I go? Sure, of course. You know our favorite girl band, Pow Pig? No, Still doing their leaving, sir. I was telling you that they were down in Other Voices recording in like yes. Christmas. 
It's going to be broadcast this Thursday at 11.30pm, Paul Pig from the Imro Other Room, along with other acts from the Imro Other Room in uh, that appeared on Other Voices, and that's RTE2 this Thursday. Stay in, this, stay in on Thursday. Stay in on Thursday it. night. Watch this okay. one. From 11.30pm. Uh, I think that's it. I think <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> also another product of Music Generation. And not, yeah, exactly. Another I'm, product of Music Gen. Keen um, will be talking about Music Generation later on. There we go. Yeah, they've done so much for the city, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah, they are, um, they are another product from there. And, and um, more power to them. They had an amazing show when they went down there. They played about four or five songs. And they just won their place in, the comp- in this particular festival at the very last minute. Do you remember? It was about five or six days before it. They found out they were playing at this. Brilliant kids, great songs, and they're still doing their leaving cert, so kudos to them. Um, as ever, it's a blast. Thank you very Thank much, you. Eric. Thank you. I'll get out of your way now. I'll let you get on with it. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Andy. See you later. Uh, we are here in association with Limerick Tile and Wood Centre, Eastway Business Park, specialists in fine quality tiles, wood flooring, and bathroomware. Um, Rose Rush is sunning herself abroad, uh, so. Kean, our utility <laughs> podcaster right, and digital editor, is stepping in for us. And welcome uh, back, Andrew. Thank you very much. My hands are in bits from taking over the reins <laughs> the past week. Well, a <laughs> sterling job. I listened to it uh, as usual, ever professional. And you ever. have a lovely colour as well. <laughs> um, Kean, onto arts news. Um, you're deputising for Rose now, so you've big shoes to fill. Oof. I don't think I can put things as eloquent as Rose does, but I can give it a try. Okay. So theatre focuses <laughs> predominantly on Rose's art space this week. She has an interview there with Sonia Kelly, an actor, playwright and producer who has a show coming to the Lime Tree Theatre on Tuesday, March 26th and Wednesday 27th. That's an interview worth checking out because it's very interesting and Rose always puts her spin on it with her eloquent writing. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, it, 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 it looks like a... a, a very interesting show. There's also um, a, a solo show, Why I'm Sweet About Me, at the Friars Gate in Kilmallock. Yeah, this is a show by Jacinta Sheeran. Uh, it'll be on in Kilmallock, as you said, and it focuses on uh, eating disorders, seems to be the, the main focus. Uh, it says the, the show Sweet About Me uh, concerns the teenage Bernadette who struggles with a controlling mother, with a body image, and with an eating disorder. It's a heavy topic, but I'm sure it'll be one worth checking out as well. That's on March 15th uh, in Roses um, in the Shorts. She's uh, a drawing exhibition at Limerick School of Art and Design. Yeah, these uh, exhibitions always are very interesting because there's a lot of talent in Limerick. That, mm. And that's one thing I love about Roses' page is we actually get an insight into some of the arts that are going on around the town. And LSAD usually put out some, some good quality work. And this is part of the... John Shinner's uh, Commission Award for a thousand euro. So there is a, a good quality of work there worth checking out. Yeah, it's ongoing until the April the third. There's mm-hmm. also um, news of lunchtime concerts at the cathedral. Yeah, they're back in St Mary's Cathedral every Wednesday, and uh, these are free concerts. And they're, you know, if you have a want something interesting for your lunchtime, something different, it's worth getting down there. And equally in UL, there's a talks organised, free talks with a creative writing course leader. Joe O'Connor in the Millstream Common Room. Uh, his host this week is Sebastian Barry, and that'll be today, March 7th. That's Thursday, 7 yeah. o'clock. 
full details of um, Rose's arts content are available on page 72 in this week's print edition and again uh, online across our social media channels. Thanks, Keen, for deputising for Rose. No problem. Uh, and there was one more arts thing as well, actually. Was, uh, I was at the bell table the other night for the launch of Bread Not Profits by Mike Finn. So there'll be a video up online and I have a small sound bite here from Mike who was talking about having to play in Cleves. And it's really exciting to be doing this play in Cleves because I think the site-specific plays are always more interesting than going to see a play in, uh, in a theatre because it's an adventure for the audience. They're getting into maybe a building that they haven't been in before and they're following the action around to different parts of the building. And in this case, Cleves is really important to us because it's the last remaining factory from 1919. And it actually featured very prominently in the original story of the Dynamic Soviet. The workers in Cleves were actually the first people to go on strike. They actually went on strike a day before the Soviet happened at all. So it is both sort of aesthetically and artistically pleasing to be there but also it's historically really really interesting and and important to be there as well uh, excellent stuff i can sticking with the podcast team and a little bit of audio um your uh we are limerick is back yeah we're back this week with uh, boris hunka he's from music generation limerick city and uh, we heard eric speaking earlier about the works that music generation do in limerick with bands like pow pig and laura duff but um what people don't really know is how much they do for the community and there is a lot there. Boris covers it all with me but he also talks a bit about his life in music and his dad was part of the orchestra that played on Star Wars and he was telling me about it here. Star Wars. My, my dad was a bassoonist with the London Symphony Orchestra so he played on the Star Wars soundtracks. So my, my first um, conscious memory was being told by my school friend that that uh, the Star Wars was a cool thing. So that's an interesting one. And uh, Andrew, I see you have a, another feature this week, an interview. Yeah, um, last week we had um, uh, Cathy Halloran, uh, our RT Midwest correspondent, who uh, was bringing the local stories to a national level um, and, and doing great work for the region. Um, this week, our, our post profile heads over to the Limerick and Clare Education Training Board, where I meet uh, the Chief Executive, George O'Callaghan. And George uh, sat down and, and spoke with me about how their evolution within the uh, ETB has allowed them to make education more relevant to employment. Again, uh, the full page interview is on page 20. Uh, it just goes to show that even if students aren't able to attain the CAO points that they you know, want to get into the university, there are other alternatives available. Um, and George's biggest piece of advice just for, for, for anyone in that life-changing scenario is just always be aware of your options. There are more than just the traditional routes. Um, so yeah, that was great to sit down with him. It was very encouraging. And on the organisational side as well, I was surprised to see how big the operation is. It's 2,500 employed. They're one of the biggest employers in the region. Um, just alone on that, and they're catering for uh, second level students, post, uh, primary, post-primary, um, adult learners, apprenticeships. Yeah, they really are making an impact and they're certainly um, quite agile and moving with the times. So this has been The Last Post and I've been your host, Andrew Carey, uh, back from a little sabbatical. Um, and I would like to thank Bernie English, uh, Jerry Collison, John Kyo from Sporting Limerick, Eric Fitzgerald, and indeed our digital editor, deputy arts editor, and uh, the podcast producer, uh, Kean Reinhardt. Thank you very much for that, Kean. Um, and our sponsors of this week's podcast, which is brought to you in association with Limerick Tile and Wood Centre, Eastway Business Park, specialist in fine quality tiles, wood flooring, and bathroom wear. 
For more news, sport, entertainments, home and living, pet news, and much, much more, make sure you turn to the Limerick Post every Thursday in print and online at limerickpost.ie and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted. <laughs>